I tell everybody, you know, guys, I, I'm not a writer. I just play it in my mind and I type until it till the story stops. It's worked. And, and of course, you don't have to have the greatest vocabulary and the greatest everything when you're talking about a an old Texas cowboy, do you? I wanted John to touch everybody, not just Masons. I wanted him to be just a good old boy that uh, people would enjoy listening to his words. to another episode of the perfect ashler podcast i'm chris galloway past master of valley high lodge 1407 in san antonio texas hello everybody i'm john hudson junior deacon at valley high lodge 1407 we're excited today because we are going to be interviewing a new author who is newly published to the mass market, but has a, a history of writing and providing writings to his lodge. His name is Brother James Chris Williams IV. Many people know him as Chris Williams. He was born in Mesa, Arizona on a working cow ranch. During his younger years, he and his family moved to Texas, back to Arizona, and then family back to San Antonio, Texas where he resides with his wife of 45 years. He is a very devoted to his daughter, son, and grandchildren, and loves spending time with them and his several nieces. Brother Chris loves Freemasonry and is very devoted to the craft. He is a past master of Davy Crockett Lodge number 1225 in San Antonio, Texas, and a member of several other lodges. He holds membership in the Scottish Rite Valley of San Antonio, the York Rite, and the Shrine. As a member of the Grand Lodge of Texas Masonic Education and Services Committee, Brother Chris has for the last decade assisted in the instruction of prospective officers in revitalizing, administering, and managing their lodges. He has spoken at lodges and Masonic gatherings all over the state of Texas on various topics from the history of Grand Lodge law to our degrees, philosophy, symbolism, and much, much more. Very excited to have Chris on today. He is actually our first official author that we have published with Perfect Ashler Publishing Company, besides my own book. And his first volume of the profound philosophical pontifications of Big John Deacon, Freemason Extraordinaire. Brother Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. We're excited to have you here. Your book just published this past week, and already there are a few copies that have been purchased. We've been advertising on social media and some of the Freemason groups a little bit here and there. Uh, I think several people are familiar with Big John Deacon. Could you share with our listeners how you came up with John Deacon, the purpose, and kind of the platform he's been on prior to the books? The idea came about... When I became Worshipful Master in 2008, our lodge was not very good on Masonic education. And I really wanted to promote that in my year, just like you did. 
I decided I was going to have a newsletter. We'd never had a newsletter. And so I started a newsletter that would come out every month. And in that newsletter, I was going to have Masonic education article for all the brethren. Well, the first three months I had the education article in there, it was even boring to me. Very few people, it seems, read anymore. When they come to an article, if it's not something that catches their eye or, or something, uh, that four pages is going to be really hard for them. So I didn't feel like a lot of people were reading them. They were good articles, but they, they weren't reading them. While I was thinking about that and kind of wondering what to do, it popped into my head that Dan Cook, who was a longtime TV sportscaster, every week had, wrote an article for the Express News. And I loved his articles. I always read them. He, where he would meet with a uh, retired bookie named Benjamin Broadhind. They would have a uh, lunch and Benjamin would tell Dan all about he didn't know anything about sports or the Spurs or the Cowboys or the Astros or anything. There was always a lot of comical stuff going on as far as that goes. And, and I thought, wow, maybe I'll do that. Trying to think of the name of John Deacon. Actually, I went through all the officers in the lodge. I said, well, okay. John Warden. No, that don't sound very good. John Worshipman. No, that don't sound very good. You know, and I got to the deacons and it just kind of clicked. You know, it sounded good. It rolled off my tongue real good. So I decided on John Deacon. I don't know where the profound and the pontifications came from, but it just kind of popped in my head. And that, that's where it started. And we, we went from there. It's awesome. I've had the privilege of editing these newsletter articles that you've written and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you wrote the newsletter for approximately eight years. Every month for eight years, except for I missed one month. I don't even remember why, but <laughs> we missed one month. I don't know if you remember, I think it's about 86 articles altogether. And originally they had a date on them. They were a month and a year when this idea came out to publish a book. I had to make them chapters and think of titles for them. And that was fun. There's going to be four books, and we've just published the first one. The next one will be published in April, then May, and then June. That's our goal. What I love about the book is they're short stories, as you mentioned. So if I want to read something quick, I can just gravitate to a story, read it quickly. They range from anywhere from two to about 10 pages in some cases, I believe. They're long enough to engage you. I like the fact that they're entertaining. Um, I had my wife, Kimberly, help me with editing, and I could hear her laughing every now and then at the stories. And then we start talking about what well, we can't believe what John did. And it's interesting that we start talking about him like a real guy. That's fascinating to us. Did, did, have you ever run into that where people thought that John Deacon was a real person? All the time. Our newsletter eventually during that time went out to about uh, 2,000 people that we knew of. You know, we don't know how many times it was passed on, but I can't tell you how many times I'd walked into a lodge and somebody would say, hey, where was that place you and John ate? You know, I, I really want to take my wife there, you know, or or they'd say, hey, can, can you and John come do a program for us? You know, I'd re we'd really like to meet him and everything. So to this day, a lot of people still think he's real. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, I had this image of you and John at the table at every single restaurant that you went to. I want to recommend to all of our listeners, if you love great storytelling, you're going to love this book. Every single story, what was, was neat for me too, and you can see your love for the community in Texas where you live, is all these, these restaurants. So is there any reason why you picked a certain restaurant or, you know, hop through the state of Texas? <laughs> Actually, uh, the restaurants were picked because they were either close to where I work and I had been to them, but the big, the best criteria was that I had eaten in all of them. That was the main criteria. 
And uh, of course, John Deacon is a great connoisseur of chicken fried steak, and so am I. So it kind of clicked. We, that would be a point of contention at a lot of places that we ate. Every one of those places in the book, we I say we because he, he kind of seemed real to me too, you know. There was one of our grandmasters early on who asked me or appointed me to the education committee who everywhere we went, every time I saw him, he would introduce me as John Deacon. He wouldn't introduce me as my name. It was always John Deacon. So, yeah, he, he kind of got real. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, really uh, identified with him and, and uh, you know, enjoyed, uh, you know, his persona. So it worked out real good. That's a, it's a great segue for me, brother Chris, because, uh, you know, I, I've gone through up, up through book two. Uh, I'm about to start working on book three. There's a couple stories in book one that brought tears to my eyes. They made me laugh, but that I really, felt proud to be a Mason based on the story, especially the one where he talks to the gentleman about it's the internal, not the external. And that other gentleman identifies that his dad was a Mason, but then in book two, and I don't want to really touch on book two too much because it hasn't been released yet. And I definitely want to do another episode with you when book two comes out, but there's a story in there where there's a dream that he has that, that I told you that, that had an impact on me that I felt was amazing. And it, it touched me. And I've been a Mason for a very short amount of time. I mean, just a blink of an eye, only since 2013. And, you know, I'm already a past master. But I, I always like to hear from Brother Hudson's perspective because he's a brand new master Mason. I think it's only been a year, right, Brother Hudson? Two years. Two years. Okay, time flies. So I was wondering how the stories have impacted you, brother. Yeah, thank you. See, the pandemic year, it like flew by. That's really where that year was, to be honest with you. That's what, that's what happened. I'll bring a, a story that I actually had when I first walked into a lodge. You know, I had the tour. I had dinner with the brethren. I was had this question, and you're probably going to see where I'm going with this, Brother Williams, is had this question of, in my future, I think, you know, like I'm, I'm having this feeling to be in ministry, be a pastor, be something like that. Can I still, can I be a Mason as well? Like, cause I've heard these different things. You and John talked about that. And that one just stopped me, right? Because when you mentioned in here, how I love this Freemasonry and religion are like a kiss and a hug. They don't contradict each other. They complement each other. That is one reason that I am a Mason. After that was on the first day, and I remember talking to different brothers, okay? Now, after I went through the, you know, degrees and became a master mason, talk about, like, really understanding that. So now that I'm two years, it's just, it's really, really leaned into masonry in that way, and it is compliments. So I just wanted to thank you for that. That one really, really hit me. I really had those thoughts, like, can I even be a mason, you know? Or, yeah. or, want to have that future so what are your what what prompted you to you know share that piece well you hear about all the controversial what people say we are and we're not and what we do and what we don't do and a lot of the articles were designed to address those types of things those controversial subjects and uh, you know a lot of it was kind of geared towards non-masons actually brother who just like you who had a question about Oh my God, you know, uh, somebody's telling us, you know, that we're not religious, that we, we don't believe in God or, or whatever. They haven't been a Mason long enough to really answer the question, to feel comfortable to answer the question. I tried to address those things 
a lot of those controversial subjects and and to also just like just what you read to put them in in the language that John would say them in. I had a brother tell me one time that he thought he was the best hillbilly Texan cowboy he'd ever seen. His vocabulary and and the way he talks, and I think that that's another reason why people start identifying with him, start you know feeling like hey you know I kind of know this guy so. I tried to make him just like a lot of the guys that we meet in Lodge every week. And there were times when I addressing those type of topics. And then, like uh, Brother Chris said, the the one about the dream, that just kind of popped in my head. And it, it kind of grew as I was writing it. I tell everybody, you know, guys, I, I'm not a writer. I just play it in my mind and I type until it till the story stops. It, it's worked, you know, and... And, and of course, you don't have to have the greatest vocabulary and the greatest everything when you're talking about a an old Texas cowboy, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I was going to say that it's not just that. It's that you're speaking from the heart and you can tell maybe from John's perspective, but, you know, you're speaking from the heart. I think that's so important. And I'd like for you to touch upon this. You, you mentioned it just a minute ago about some of the controversial topics, but some might say that some of the topics are progressive compared to traditional masonry. What made you touch on those topics? And, and did you feel like it was easier using John as that catalyst to, to do that? Well, the controversial uh, topics, a lot of them create a divide between the older Masons and the younger Masons. And I wanted to to address that too, to a certain extent. And I wanted, I wanted John to be not too much on one side or the other. I wanted him to be kind of, kind of neutral down the middle and to have the, the attitude that, and the open-mindedness to address them without fear and just kind of open up to me you know because a lot of times he was op- he was te- he was talking to me telling me giving me this profound wisdom that he has so that I could print it in my newsletter several times you know in in some of the articles <clears throat> he would say I don't have anything this month and I would tell him well that's not going to work because otherwise I got to make up something and that's not going to be good you know and he finally come up with something, you know, that, that would stretch into a story. And, you know, like you said, some of the stories are four pages long and some are 10 pages. He either gets to eating long or he gets to talking long, one or the other. You know? <laughs> so, but it worked out. The stories, you know, I wrote most of them, you know, over a period of eight years. And when I was going back through them and reading them and, and edit them, you know, when we started this project, I was laughing. It was like somebody else had written it, not even me, you know. So I, I kind of enjoyed the book while, while I was reading it too. But but there was a lot of topics that we touched on that, you know, things that would happen at Grand Lodge, things that would happen uh, between lodges, between brothers. You know, my hope was that everybody would realize that it's not as bad as you think it is. You know, there's guys have a habit of not looking at the other side. And that's what I wanted to do for the most part to kind of make sure that there was something there for everybody, basically. I noticed that most of the stories, you and John run into another Mason or somebody who is connected to the Masons in some way, whether it's their father, their brother, or, or whoever it might be. Is that something that you've experienced in your uh, Masonic career? Is that why you included it in the book? What made you do that to where it seems like everywhere you guys go, there's a Mason? Yeah, it's happened before to me uh, several times. I don't know. I kind of wanted to illustrate that there are a lot of Masons out there never know when you'll see one. You never know when, when one is just afraid to admit that he's a Mason. Several uh, stories, there were uh, guys that were kind of 
tried to overhear what John was saying and, and turned out that they were Masons. They enjoyed hearing what they were hearing. I wanted to illustrate to anybody, especially non-Masons who, who might read it, that there are a lot of Masons out there. You know, it's, we're not just a little tiny organization. There's a lot of guys out there that are members of the craft. So that was one of the things. I'd come up with stuff. I'd think of something would pop into my head as I'm writing a story that would, that I just chuckle and put it in there because, you know, it's, I guess that's the way my mind works or something. I don't know. A lot of the material in the book, I grew up on a cow ranch. A lot of the material in the book was the inspiration for a lot of the situations and stuff, especially the one at the stock show and rodeo was, uh, was my dad, you know, and uh, he was a, a real honest to God cowboy. A lot of the things that he said is in the book. He, he's big time in the book. Some of the things, sayings that he had and the way he said chocolate and stuff like that, you know, that's all, that's all my dad, you know. In the book, there are dozens of my brothers over the years that, that are playing the part of John in the story and I'm weaving the story around him. You know, one of the, one of the ones that we decided on for the, for book two, for the cover uh, that one was a, you know, all, most of those stories actually happen to a certain extent, you know, yes, some of them were embellished a little bit. Most of those stories happened where I was either directly involved or indirectly involved or a spectator that, uh, came to mind in a certain situation and made a little story out of it. They all came out good, but they were all stories of things that actually happened. That's amazing. I really felt the mix of humor and conviction and seriousness. So it, you can see that too, brother, with your leadership shining through. You know, you take serious topics, maybe even like we talked about, controversial, quote unquote, even when it comes to secret or hidden, which words, you know, to use, like all that. Um, and then you add John's, uh, just the way that he talks and, and just kind of comes across. And these sayings that he has, it had me like, laughing and then going whoa like okay well you're right if every single <laughs> you know in conviction the way i feel and i've been a master mason now for two years is i want to make more men masons because i have this conviction where we'll be able to build a better world you know together and and, and there's a lot of that in there so that's all i wanted to share it's like i really appreciated that you know and had me going last time so good stuff i did it kind of playing a trick on everybody because very few people read and I wanted the guys to read the columns, you know? So if there was something funny in it that they would go there just to see the funny part, they would gain the moral story or whatever by osmosis or however, that was a focus for me too. We have a brother in our lodge who is also a past master that told me one time, he said, you know, I hate to read, but I really enjoy John Deacon. You know, he's, because he, he was going there for the funny and, and, you know, he got the lesson too. So that, that made me feel good. That's great. You even added some tidbits around there about communication to your spouse. So if you go there and you spend $50 on a hamburger, you got to have some explaining to do. Huh? Like you, I like how <laughs> yes. you add that in there. It's like, right. like there's right. a way for a healthy marriage too. just, you know, communicate a little bit. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to believe that with $75 to feed two guys, you know, I've got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Brother Williams, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share with your li listeners and honor our brothers from David Crockett, because 
you told me about the story where they took the first few years of the newsletter and, and published it in a book. And because this isn't the first time it's been published, it's really the first time it's been published worldwide, in a sense, on Amazon. I believe they gave you a copy of it when they did give you also the Golden Trout. Yes, sir. Uh, it was in 2012. They nominated me for the Golden Trial and, and they were going to do it. And they wanted it to be a surprise. The problem was, is I was the secretary of the lodge and, and, I, and the secretary has to sign off on it. So they couldn't make it a surprise. I kind of give them a bunch of crap about that, you know, that they would have to have to go through me for it. So they devised this plan that they were going to take the first two years of my articles and self-publish a book. Brother Brad Kohanke and his wife and Brother Burt Reynolds and his wife read and edited the articles and uh, spent a lot of time getting it done. They uh, presented it to me that night on the uh, that, I, that they presented me the Golden Trial, and I'm telling you, very few times in my life have I been actually surprised, and that was one of them. That goes down in my life as one of the one of the big moments. And it's been those guys and other other brothers from Davy Crockett that have over the years encouraged me to put them all in books and publish the whole thing and, and get them out there. And it just never worked out until, you know, how it goes. It never works out till it works out. And it worked out real good this time. Yes, sir. I'm excited to be a part of it and to get them out there in the world. I have no doubt that John Deacon was a part of you receiving the Golden Trial, but I've known you since I went through the officer school down in Corpus Christi when I was a, I was actually a junior deacon when I went through the the one-on-one class. When I sat in your group and, and heard you speak and your passion about masonry, it fired me up, came back to my lodge, and, and it's part of the reason why I believe I was such a good officer, worshipful master. So I know that that golden trial is well-deserved because of your service to masonry as a whole. For those listeners who aren't in Texas, and I know we have a, a few of the podcasts, the golden trial is a special award in Texas that's given to that mason who provides a, a special service for usually several years to their own lodge or to masonry as a whole. And it's not something that's easy to come by and, and it's well-deserved. Typically the person who receives it doesn't feel like they deserve it. That's why they're the right guy to receive it. I know that that's very special for you. And I'm so glad that we could get this out there and do this for you for sure. Thank you, brother. Thank yep. you, brother, very much. It is very special. And in my opinion, it's the highest honor that any Mason can receive simply because it's given to him by his brothers of his lodge because they're the ones that know him, you know. I made the statement that night. I said, you know, you guys all know me, and you still gave me this. I, I'm confused. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was good. It was really good. That sounds like a John Deacon thing to say. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> now that we're releasing these books, and maybe you want to see how well they do and how much the it picks up steam, but have you considered – revitalizing John Deacon and, and writing some more about him? You know, in the last week, I can't imagine how many people have asked me that question. And I will tell you quite frankly that over the last couple, three weeks, sitting in a restaurant eating a meal, my wife will look at me and say, be a good John Deacon article. And she's right. Yeah, it, you know, if, if these things do okay and, and everybody uh, likes them okay, I definitely would be... Uh, interested in writing some more articles because uh, old John, he's not dead yet. He's just retired temporarily. 
Yeah, I think a lot of uh, our listeners and readers will definitely be excited about that statement. If you had one thing that you hope that these books do, what is the one thing that you hope that people gain from these books? Well, there's actually two things that I hope people would gain. And one is going to surprise you a lot. The other one's not. The first thing is I would hope that it would, uh, an explanation first, guys are in our fraternity for, for years and years and years and years. And when somebody comes up and says, I've heard Freemasonry is this or that or whatever, or they, they come up and they say, well, what is Freemasonry? I would hope, and, and part of my reason for some of the articles was to give them information that they could use in that situation. You know, it's unfortunate, but guys go through their whole Masonic career and couldn't answer the question of what Masonry is or why they're a Freemason. Or if somebody was to challenge them, hey, I hear you guys are worship the devil or something, you know, and they couldn't answer the question, you know, and, and obviously that's not true. Anybody that, that is a Mason knows that's not true. So that's one of them is to, to get people enough information that it'll pop into their mind. Hey, Deacon said this one time, you know, or something like that. But the other one, which may surprise you, I feel like we've got a big problem with communication with our families. And John Deacon is written in such a way that anybody can read it. Anybody could read it and get something out of it, if it's only the humorous parts of it. But I had hoped that the guys would share them with their families, with their wives, and they would get a better understanding. And they would be able to talk confidently about it if they were asked or if, if someone asked them, hey, is it good or bad or whatever, they, you know, they'd have a good answer for that. I really, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed hearing the the text that you would send me that your wife was in the other room and she was laughing about something and something that John had done that I mean that was cool that I really enjoyed that because I wanted John to touch everybody not just Masons I wanted him to be uh you know just a just a good old boy that uh, that uh, people would enjoy listening to his words that was the that was the two things. That's awesome. And not only was she laughing, but we had family and friends over. She was talking about what John was doing. And she was talking about him like you would a soap opera. You see, you know, women talk about soap operas. Right. And they talk about a character like it's real. She was talking about John. And she's like, this guy, he's such a pain in the ass. And she would talk about him. <laughs> and, and everybody was laughing. It was just fun to, to be a part of that. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so happy for you. And I think that this is amazing. And I think the one story that if anybody wants to share with their spouse is the one where John spills the beans to Pam about what the Freemasons are. I'd laugh so hard where, you know, he talked about us taking over the world and you were freaking out and she started freaking out. And then finally he breaks it down and what we really are. And, you know, I think that's, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, and that particular article, just, just so you know, O'Brien's is a real restaurant and it's got fabulous chicken fried steak. I can tell you that. <laughs> John's favorite. John's favorite. Brother Hudson, did you have any final thoughts or words for our listeners? I'm really enjoying the book. I hope that was music to my ears when you said that Brother Big John Deacon may make a comeback. I'd like to hear that. We'll see. I'm looking forward to, you know, sharing this book also with my wife and I've got a two young boys and I know they'll get a kick out of it too as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for, you know, I want to encourage our listeners, you know, get out there, pick it up and you'll enjoy it. Thank you guys. Thank you both. I appreciate it very much. Thank you too. Brother Williams, do you have any final words for our listeners or thoughts? Kind of exciting to, to see the book out there and I just hope everybody enjoys it. 
tomorrow night at my AMD meeting, I've got six guys that want me to sign their books. I just don't know about this whole thing, you know. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Start practicing your signature now. <laughs> well, it's bad. I got to tell you that. <laughs> That's awesome. We're, we'll definitely put a link to the book in the show notes. And we plan on hopefully having you back again, Brother Williams, when book two comes out next month. Um, discuss a few more things. We'll go a little bit deeper, maybe. And maybe talk about some of the stories and see yeah. where the book's at. I just want to tell the listeners, pick it up. Pick up the book. It's funny. It'll bring you to tears sometimes. I think every person will make some sort of connection to the, the stories is written from Chris Williams's heart and from his experiences as a Mason. And you can definitely feel that throughout the book. I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send us a note, drop us an email, go ahead and do that. And let us know what you think about the podcast. Um, subscribe to it. We hope to put one out at least once a month. Uh, so our brothers can, can hear about new books and things that are important to Masonry. Until next time, make sure that you keep chipping away at that rough ashler and keep molding yourself into the perfect ashler and be good upright masons and stay on the level 